As I said a little earlier today, my dad was a cantor, but I inherited his feet instead of his voice. Nonetheless, I'm going to uh, to do something that makes me a little vulnerable, and I hope that you'll all tolerate my singing just for a moment. And if you know the words, I dare all of you to join in with me, okay? Boy, the way Glenn Miller played... Songs that made the hit parade. Guys like us, we had it made. Those were the days. And you knew who you were then. Girls were girls and men were men. Mister, we could use a man like Herbert Hoover again. Didn't need no welfare state. Everybody pulled his weight. G.R. Old LaSalle ran great. Okay, what, song, what show was that from? Of course, All in the Family. I remember being a little boy, younger than Jonah over there, maybe six or seven, and I would snuggle in between my mom and dad on the couch when that show would come on. I wouldn't understand one joke, but I would sit next to them as they would just laugh uncontrollably, enjoying that show. But did most of you know that originally the show wasn't called All in the Family? It was supposed to be called Those Were the Days. That was the original title of the song and of the show. And in the pilot, that was the title. They changed it later. Useless trivia for all of you. One other piece of useless trivia is that All in the Family gave birth to more spinoffs than any other sitcom in history. More than Happy Days. When you all make it rich on trivia, on Trivial Pursuit or, you know, on Jeopardy, just remember the shul. That's all I ask for you. What is that song about? And what is that show about? It was a song and a show all about nostalgia. All about the way things were. Things were better before. When girls were girls and men were men when our car ran differently, and we didn't have welfare, when people looked after themselves. Those were the days. That was the title of the song. It's supposed to be the title of the show because the show was about this bigot who was a taxi driver named Archie Bunker, who was married to Edith, Gene Stapleton. And in the show, what was their responsibility? What was their role? They had to kind of be the carriers, the champions, the torchbearers of the next generation. But they did so without entering any of modernity. And to really pit against all of the issues that were happening in the 70s, what happened? They put a guy in there called Rob Reiner, affectionately called Meathead, right? I'm impressed how many in this room know that. (laughs) So who was Meathead? Meathead was the fiance and then husband of their daughter, Gloria, right? And He was a hippie. He was a doctoral student in the 70s going to college, and he was everything about change. He was everything against the war. He was everything about modernity. He was everything about integration. And he and Archie always struggled out on the screen and for America the wrestling match that happened between nostalgia and between modernity, between what was and what is and what will be. That was what depicted on that show. 
And when they started sitting on that piano bench playing that song, what they were really saying each and every episode is, oh, it was so much better then. Now it's different, but then it was so much better. Nostalgia plays a huge role in who we are, especially as part of the Jewish people. We are all nostalgic sitting here. We sit here and we think about the days that were. We recite a prayer, Let us return to you, O God, and we will return, renew our days like they used to be, because it was better then. Or how many of us go to a stadium? How many of us go to an affair or an event and say, Oh, I remember, it used to be better then. Why did they have to tear down the old stadium? It was just fine. This one is too modern for us. Or my favorite was a few years ago when the new airport in Israel opened up. The most modern airport in the entire Middle East. A 60-year-old country, so young, has this gorgeous, beautiful airport. And people would walk in and say, I don't like it. I liked it better when you got off on the tarmac and you could see camels and feel the heat. That was Israel. But this, this feels like I'm in Chicago. Or for those of you who've been in Israel and you go down Highway 1, the highway that connects Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, And it used to be that there were all types of armored cars that were from the original War of Independence that were strewn all over the road. And in the last two years, they've taken all of these cars and they've very orderly put them in some kind of sequence, put lights around them and they drape them in Israeli flags. They do that because they want to show order and semblance and proper memorial for those that sacrificed their life at that time for our war and for our independence. And Israelis and visitors alike say, I don't like it so organized. I liked it when it was strewn all over the place, not with lights on it, not when it's under the camera. What are they saying? They're not saying that they don't like it organized. They're not saying they don't like the airport. They're saying that they love the way it used to be. And we do too. We come to shul and we think about what used to be. We think about... Being here with our parents and our grandparents, the way the chazan used to sound, the way the rabbi used to talk, the way services felt, and we pine for that nostalgia. And at the same time, we do a lot to think about tomorrow. We talk with optimism about the future. We are loaded with hopes and aspirations. But what's missing in those equations about tomorrow and nostalgia is the present. This moment. And the rabbis, they wanted us to be here at this moment. They wanted us to be present with our bodies and with our minds and with our souls and with our eyes and our ears, to be fully present in a way that we rarely are today. In a way that with technology and iPhones and iPads and telephones connecting us all the time, ironically, we are less and less available and less present. And the blasts of the shofar are supposed to bring us to this moment, to make us here, here with ourselves, here with God, here with our family. It's supposed to wake us up and interrupt us from all of those distractions. And the blast is supposed to bring us to the days of yesterday and to the days of tomorrow, and most important, to right now, to what are our goals and aspirations and dreams. Who is sitting with us today? Is it your father, your mother, your husband or your wife, a brother or sister? Are they sitting with you in spirit for those days that were? Judaism is a blend 
of nostalgia and of future. But in order to have that blend, we must be present in the present. This is a moment as we prepare to blast the shofar, to prepare our souls for our awakening, for our interruption, and to appreciating our past, our future, and our now. I invite you all to rise for the service for Tikiyata Shofar, page 243, Minha Meitzah. Min hametzar karatiyah anani bamerchaviyah Give heed to the sound of the shofar the sharp piercing blast of the shofar rendering the air with its message its call for wholehearted repentance summoning us to our father to render him true devotion this is a call for all of us to renounce our sins and our transgressions, our false aims and our unworthy striving. It's a time for us in the present to fill our hearts with a new spirit of loving concern and of forgiveness. Give heed to the sound of the shofar, the blast that is blown, O oh my people. The brachot for the blast of the shofar of the new year of 5773, page 245. Baruch Eloheinu melech haolam, asher kitshanu b'mitzvotah v'tzivanu, lishmoa kol shofar. Amen. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, shehechianu, v'kiyamanu, v'higiyanu, lazman hazeh. Amen. Tekiyah. Shivarim teruah, tekiah, tekiah. Shivarim teruah, tekiah, tekiah. Shivarim teruah. Give heed to the sound of the shofar, the shrill, quivering notes of the shofar, sounding its message of warning, its cry of alarm and awakening, urging us to labor together, to combat war and combat violence. Accept the challenge to battle against fear, hate, and destruction. Remove from your midst all oppression. Banish all greed and contention. Give heed to the sound of the shofar, the blast that is blown, O oh my people. Tekiah, Shivarim. Tekiah, Tekiah, Shivarim. Tekiah. My uh, oldest brother, Gabriel, died when he was 36 years young. 
He committed suicide and he had his whole life to live. But instead of living it, he took his life. It was a painful moment in our family's history and I learned more about Gabe after his death than I did in his life. I learned about his idiosyncrasies. I learned about his behaviors. I learned about his anger issues. And I learned that so much of what he dealt with in life was a part of what had happened to him instead of his DNA. You see, when Gabe was 13, he went off to a Jewish boarding school. And as I shared with this congregation before, some of you are new and some of you might not remember, there he was sexually molested by one of the so-called rabbis. He came back a different person, forever changed, disturbed, and in pain. And a number of years after that, when we thought his life was back on track, he got married, had children, something triggered his illness again, he went into a spiral of pain and shortly after took his own life, left this world an emptier place and left a huge hole in our total family's heart. I share this story with you today not because of its potency, but because Gabe's story, who died in 1996, was significantly rewoken for me this summer. As the discussion of Penn State had taken over all of the airwaves, conversations forth and back and back and forth about what Paterno knew and what Paterno didn't know, and what this monster Sandusky had done to countless innocent boys using the disgusting carrot of getting them closer to a coveted football game. Paterno was an absolute god at Penn State. If you ever went to campus, all you would hear are the words Joe Pa. There were statues bronzed of him and his players celebrating their wins and their victories and their accomplishments. But today, those statues have been taken down those winds have been erased. In his words, his name is something that's not uttered without an explanation. I don't know Joe Paterno. I don't wish any ill upon his family, and I pray that he perhaps rest in peace. But what I realized was his greatest crime was that perhaps he knew something wrong, and he stayed quiet. He had a responsibility, a responsibility when we see evil or we see wrong to speak up. You know, we are people that don't hesitate to voice our opinions. We're always first in line to offer something, even unsolicited. But sometimes if there's confrontation involved or friction or trouble or we might alienate someone, we say, you know what, I'm going to stay quiet on this. And we pat ourselves on the back and we feel like champions. But sometimes Judaism calls on us to not stay silent. Judaism calls on us to speak out, to use our voice, to make a difference. I think so often there had to be people that knew about the abuse that happened to my brother and countless other of his classmates before and after him. But if someone had spoken out, if someone had said something, if someone had intervened, Perhaps he'd be here leading a high holiday services. 
Perhaps he'd be davening with us. Perhaps I would have called him last night and wished him a Shana Tova. But I can't. The shofar is a blast that reminds us that sometimes we need noise. Sometimes we need our voice. And while Judaism celebrates silence, Maimonides teaches, the gateway to wisdom is through silence. While that might be true, there are times for all of us to muster the courage to speak up and to think of lives instead of winds, to think of souls instead of the legacy of a game or a stadium or a college. That at our essence, that's what matters most. Close your eyes. Listen to the last bless of the shofar for a short while. And let it be a call to your souls to speak up in the face of wrong. To say something when you need to say something. Because it just might make a difference and even save the most precious gift of life. Tekiah. Teruah. Tekiah. Tekiah, Teruah, Tekiah, Tekiah, Teruah, Tekiah Gedola. Nathaniel, Nathaniel, you're going to need to save some of that air. You're getting married in a few weeks. I want to say Yeshur Koach to Nathaniel for leading us as he does so beautifully and ably each and every year in the blast of the shofar. And a special mazal tov to you and to Kimberly Breen, who's here with you and your family. As soon they will be underneath the chuppah, celebrating their love for each other. We pray that God look after you, your bride-to-be, your family for many more years to lead us in the blast of the shofar. And good health. Amen. Amen. Blessed are you, all the people who hear the shofar and hear a call to walk by the light of God's presence.